It's not playing. I'm Dan. And I'm Lex. Oh, hey Lex, I didn't see you there. <laughs> Hi Dan, how are you? <laughs> I thought it was just going to be me this season, not playing with Dan. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's, that sounds like a sad childhood. <laughs> that feels like my childhood. Hey, we're back. It's season seven of not, wow, can you believe it's season seven of not playing with Lex and Dan? Now I have to check and make sure it is in fact season seven. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I do believe it, but I am amazed. They said it would never last. Yes, they were wrong, but I think nobody is more surprised about that than us. Do you remember the impetus for this show's creation, Dan? I think it was that you hadn't seen a lot of movies. It was Jason Snell loving to tweet, Lex hasn't seen it about everything. He wrote a theme song, Lex hasn't seen it, or something like that. But uh, now I've seen so many things with you. It's true. We've watched so many movies together. We've been through, in recent years, the Star Wars franchise, uh, the James Bond franchise. We've been through the Fast and Furious franchise. Mistakes were made, Dan. <laughs> and most recently, you subjected me to an entire season of football-themed movies. You're welcome. <laughs> I, You know what? There were some winners in there, and there were some not winners. <laughs> That's how football works. Oh, oh, wow. I feel like I learned a lot about football. But <laughs> this season, as our loving fans have suggested, it's time to play the hits, Lex, which means it's time to go back into the archives and find some mm. movies, some popular movies of the days of yore that one or both of us have not seen. Could there possibly still be movies left that are popular that one or both of us hasn't seen, Dan? As it turns out, quite a few. <laughs> oh, Okay. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, thank God. Or else season seven might have been our last. So uh, we're kicking off this season with a movie that neither of us has seen, but is, I would say, well known in the popular zeitgeist. And mm-hmm. that is the Tom Cruise vehicle, Risky Business. Lex, it's time, as tradition dictates, for me to ask you, what do you know about Risky Business? Well, let me start by saying I mentioned to my wife, Lauren, that we were watching Risky Business this evening as we record. And she said, that's the one with Tom Hanks. And I said, (laughs) nope. And then she said, I meant Cruise. But I don't know. Uh, So here's what I know. I know that I believe to the tune of Old old Time Rock and Roll, Mm -hmm, whatever that mm -hmm. song is called, uh, that Tom Cruise is going to slide into view and be wearing a button-down shirt and I think just tidy whiteies and uh, mime air guitar wearing sunglasses. Uh, I know that's going to happen, that iconic moment. Sure. The only I was trying to think, what do I know about this? And the answer is basically nothing. I think he's a kid in the movie. I think he's playing a kid, and he's like a, it's like a Ferris Bueller-esque kind of guy, and he's, he's home by himself, but I have no idea. Truly none. <laughs> it's home alone, but with an 18-year-old Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? It's funny. I know about the same amount, uh, literally you know those exact same bits that you just mentioned, uh, which makes me believe that this movie is about five minutes long <laughs> that's literally all i know i think yeah, the movie opens with and then we we get to the credits two minutes later <laughs> you know he made very pithy movies in his early days uh yeah, and i think I, I think i mentioned to you i believe rebecca de mornay is in this movie as well but what did you actually say Dan? i said de mornay <laughs> crossover audience crossover joke. thank you yeah rebecca de mornay i believe is in this movie and i was trying to think do i know anybody else in the cast and i i 
made a point to not Google it and not on HBO Max, where, by the way, at least at this recording time, it's available. Uh, I made a point not to look at the cast there. So I do not know if I know, I'm, I'm guessing I'll recognize other actors, but I can't name a single other one who is in this film. And this is either, and I've forgotten now, but I glanced at it briefly. It's either 83 or 86. I can't it's remember. 83. 83. Wow. 83. Oh my God. Tom Cruise has been making movies since 1983. And uh, if you're wondering why haven't Dan and I seen this movie, we were only two and three respectively when it came out. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, depending on when it came out. If it came out really late in the year, then we were both three. But That's true. Know. That's true. Yeah. So I don't know if this is... I feel like this might be one of his earliest. Like, is this sort of his breakout role? I don't even know. I don't know what his first movie was. So... Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that's that's literally all we know. So <laughs> I guess we should cue this sucker up. Yeah. And uh, this is the time where we remind you that if you are a member of The Incomparable, if you go to the comparable.com slash members to become a member, if you're not a member already, you get special bonus content. You get a commentary track of Lex and I listening to the whole movie and talking about it as we watch it, which is a lot because yeah. we are very chatty. <laughs> and also, the thing, if, by the way, if you haven't seen Whiskey Business or if you've loved it and you are like, I don't want those guys, we don't talk over it. We we are actually, I think, good at that part. We talk a lot because we figure you paid to listen. We should say right, right, something. Right, right, right. But we also want to follow but the movie, right? Like, we, we want to know what's going yeah. on. I do want to mention, even though we're doing the ad for people to, so I want to say this was approximately Tom Cruise's uh, sixth movie. Endless Love Taps, Holy The Outsiders Losing, and then Risky Business. So number five. So he started making movies in 1957 is what you're telling me. He started in 81. (laughs) 81. (laughs) Wait, he made six movies in two years? Yeah, he did Endless Love Taps, The Outsiders. Those were uh, 81 to 83. And then in 83, Losing at Risky Business and All the Right Moves. Holy cow. Man, he is the hardest working man in showbiz. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Even if you don't have Tom Cruise's bank account, you can still afford to become a member of The Incomparable. Right, Dan? That's true. Yeah. It does not break the bank. You can start, uh, we have plans starting as low as $5 a month for a variety of different packages that give you access to not only our commentary tracks, but other cool stuff as well, including the Incomparable's bootleg feed, which lets you get episodes before they've been edited, the first class feed, which has bonus shows of stuff that's not in the public feeds, and perhaps some other cool swag along the way. I mean, if you do it, by the way, you're going to get, you know, uh, bootlegs of other shows that Dan and I do, like Inconceivable and Friendly Competition. I'm just saying, your cup will runneth over. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot to get out of it. But most importantly, you'll get our commentary tracks. That's definitely the best part. So where do they go? We've convinced them. What do they do now? Well, I'll remind them to go to theincomparable.com slash members, sign up, and you can even choose which shows get your support so you could throw a little bit of money towards not playing with Lex and Dan, your, your favorite movie-watching buddies over here. Not to take away from any of the other shows <laughs> where people watch movies. Sorry, Joe Steele and Dan Stern. Somebody has to pay for an HBO Max subscription, and we'd like it to be you. <laughs> yeah. It's not cheap, guys. We have to support way, a lot of It's two different of HBO Max. I said it like it was a collective, but it's we each have our own. Like, it's, really, we should just I'm be just sharing. Saying. We should just be sharing all the streaming services, honestly. Really cut our fees in about half. My parents uh, just had a wedding anniversary, and my sisters and I bought them a year of HBO Max. But you can't gift HBO Max, so it really just means I'm paying for it all year long. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a generous son, is why I can Apparently. say. My sister's chipped in. Well, Dan, I have some news for us. For one of us, anyways. <laughs> Which is that the two of us 
have now seen Risky Business. Indeed we have. Well, Lex, what did you think? So as I was saying to you during the film, I, I remembered while we were talking before the movie, but then worried that maybe I had my facts wrong. But I suddenly was thinking, is this movie about prostitution? And indeed it is. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people out there enjoying that when they're like, oh, they have no idea what they're getting into. <laughs> yeah. it, it suddenly popped into my head, but like I didn't know. It just that's what popped into my head. No, and when and when you said it, it clicked. It clicked for me too because I definitely yeah. felt like I had heard that. But it was like you. I was like, oh, we were we were what a solid thirty minutes in before. We, I feel right. like we got to that point. Yeah. So what what did you think of the movie, Dan? It was. I have to say, both very eighties in the way that it was portrayed, oh. and yet and yet I think better than I expected. It had some legitimate, like, there were things I thought were legitimately funny. There were bits that we discussed during the, the commentary that could have been handled a lot less, we- like, <laughs> that I, I had much lower expectations of how it would handle some of the bits yeah. than it actually did. It definitely has that feeling of sort of, like, you can see where movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Home Alone even got, you know, there's, there's like, a genre there, but it, like, really runs the spectrum from you know, right. G to R. Th- right this, this one is very much like a a teen sex comedy yes like there's exactly. no other way to label it yes and like, as you pointed out very early on one of the call girls was megan mullally as you pointed out early on it has the very 80s feeling of opening with an unnecessary nude scene uh-huh yep and then as i would say more instances of <laughs> needlessly explicit nude scenes very much of its era i feel like like this is how we can get teens to want to come see this movie i guess and so I, I agree with you. It was there were things that were handled with more tact than I expected, and the women never the, the women who worked as call girls never seemed to feel guilt or shame about their work. Right? They were yep. very strong, right. empowered women. And there was the the whole incident where his friend calls for him a sex worker early in the movie who he does not want to spend time with, and there could be like sexuality prejudices there could be racial prejudices and i think this is what you're referencing and there were none like it was handled really tastefully and well yes. for surprisingly 83 very surprisingly comedy. for the early yeah. 1980s yeah so uh, but i agree like i think we were talking during the movie there were a lot of supporting characters who had a lot of funny lines i don't know there, there were some moments that i really kind of enjoyed but it also like it didn't feel like it had a lot redeeming it by which i mean like if if it didn't star Tom Cruise, if it yeah, started a no-name sure. actor, does this movie hold up? And I think the answer is no. <laughs> it probably, the star power probably plays a big role in that, especially being a very early one for him and probably one of the more adult early movies that he's doing, right? So I think that I agree with you. That's a big part of it. I, yeah, it certainly doesn't feel like it's timeless necessarily in the same way that, that to compare it to those other two movies, just because they have sort of similar, you know, similar aspects to them i think ferris bueller is is a is a better movie and a movie yes, that that always that has yeah that has lasted much longer and it's, it has its own problems but it's not you for know sure. it's got a lot more going for it that said i i don't think this is a bad movie by any regards like you know i felt like i agree it was it was funnier and better written in places than i expected and in some ways even though they're obviously the eighties were rife with plenty of problems. It, it felt in some way like the eighties were more liberated about some stuff than we are now, which is always <laughs> a weird feeling where it's like, 
yeah, I, I, it just had a very different dynamic to it. And as you pointed out, they, they really did not... It's not a movie that delves deeply into morality, having a moral, right? Like, Right. It's mostly a movie about capitalism, I think. Yes. <laughs> it's a yes. movie about American capitalism. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I think you're like, it. it's not bad. And the parts of it that didn't sit as well with me, I think, were, I mean... <laughs> You have to remember, and I remind myself of this, and you were even, you were predicting certain moments before they happened. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, was having similar thoughts uh, that there were some very predictable tropes, but it was movies like these that also made these tropes right. to a degree. Right. Yes. <laughs> and so I was trying to watch it through that lens. There's some, the stuff that really didn't age well for me is like, I'm cool because I'm wearing sunglasses and smoking. <laughs> and like the fact that Rebecca Dormanet smoked inside his parents' house and he didn't mind was like, how is this happening? And like, that's what really felt anachronistic to me. But it, it's, I thought it was like a, a surprisingly strong cast with uh, Bronson Pinchot and uh, Joe Pantoliano. And I thought Rebecca Dornay was, was uh, what I was worried about for Rebecca Dornay's character when I realized what this movie was going to be about was that she was going to be like, <sighs> What's the term they use to make fun of Zach Braff? Like a manic pixie? Oh, manic <laughs> dream pixie woman. dream girl. Yeah, but like she she she's, held her own. She's kind of a hard nosed capitalist, as they point as yeah. as Tom Cruise points out here. And I think she, I agree with you. I feel like she does hold her own. She is as much like, despite sort of the prejudices against people in the sex work trade. I think she is portrayed, as you mentioned here before, as being a very like proactive force here, like a character that even though she does have her troubles right with her her manager you know she she seems to be acting of her own volition right like it's her idea to like let's let's sort of set up this this uh, operation at your parents house and she i mean you get the feeling that like she has given Joel a cut out of kind of like the goodness of her own heart more than because he's he is not in any position of power there really in fact multiple times he t- he asked her to leave <laughs> and she just does not leave right so you know yeah. the, it is an interesting dynamic dynamic by having him be like a you know a kid in school it, it sort of does shift the power dynamic of that yes uh there's also like the aspect where at some point they make some reference to the fact that she's supposed to be the same age that he is but we we don't really dive deep into the fact that these are paid sex workers sleeping with high school students who may or may not be <laughs> above the legal age of consent i don't know that part we just kind of ignore but i i think that for my issue with the movie such as it is and again it's a movie that was from 1983 but like i don't get exactly why it exists like it didn't it didn't it didn't express an opinion on capitalism which is like hey no. here's what capitalism does <laughs> i mean okay. it's much more of a this is a funny thing that happened right like it's got right. a this is a uh, premise for something where it's like well the premise you know you you can imagine the hollywood pitch meeting is like Guy's parents go away, and he accidentally starts a brothel, and they're like, "Yes, green light it, go!" <laughs> right? Like that was that was the Hollywood meeting in 1982 for this. <laughs> and you know what? That's fine. I think I don't think it needs to be a movie that has like a like grand designs or anything like that. And I think you know one of the things that is tougher in today's movie environment is it feels like every movie has to have something deeper going on, and. You know, in the 80s, you could make a, uh, an hour and a half movie <laughs> that's basically just like, hey, we have one idea and we're just going to lay it down like that for like 90 minutes. And yeah. you know what? It kind of worked. And it's like, you know, I don't I don't I don't mind that. And I, I kind of miss having those, you know, those types of movies where it's just like, 
um, you know, we're we're not here to tell a super deep story. We're just here to have like an interesting, funny idea for an hour and a half. <laughs> I think that's all exactly right. You can see, I think, some of Tom Cruise's future path to stardom. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, like you said, if this wasn't a movie with him in it, I feel like you're right. It does not. It does not stand the test of time. But yeah. I, and and despite you know, I don't know where you come down on Tom Cruise. He's obviously very polarizing in many ways. I don't particularly agree with him about anything in his personal life, except for the fact that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is full of crap. But I enjoy him as a presence on the screen insofar as it's possible to separate those things. I find that he's very watchable. And even if he is not a actor that has a, a lot of range, if you put him in the right role... He's really like he's really good. He's really good to watch. Like I'm I'm an unabashed fan of the Mission Impossible series. He has made some great movies in um uh, uh Edge of Tomorrow was a great movie. Like, you know, he's he's made some really great films. Again, he's often playing a a slight variation on the same character. He's not somebody that you often ask. Although that said, he has stretched himself in a couple roles here and there. But I, I do I do find him uh, of he he's kind of your your prototypical movie star uh insofar as that is a thing that that we still have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean where I come down on him is that I I don't like him. <laughs> Fair enough. But there's there's kinds of movies where I'll watch him and kinds of movies where I can't. I can't stand movies where he plays the very cool guy. And in this one I was curious would he be the very cool guy? And here's I think he's more of the guy who wants to be the very cool guy. But like I have problems with Mission Impossible because I, I feel like you're seeing Tom Cruise cockiness and not character cockiness. That's that's my and, that's, and I would argue those, those are kind of indistinguishable and that's kind of why you go. But and although I mainly go to watch it when the when he does the ridiculous stunts where he like yeah, generally the funniest parts are when he injures himself. <laughs> I did like in the first one where they would like take off the human masks that part was cool okay yeah <laughs> but no i mean i i thought that he was he was very good in this movie i thought that this I, i'm trying to figure out if i actually liked the movie i think i i merely thought it was okay because okay. There, there are parts of it that just and i think some of it is, is just literally like the storyline it, it was sure, funny sure. but the i just didn't love the story and i you know here's what i think didn't work uh, I, you and I were saying the, very early on, like it did feel very Ferris Bueller-ian in that he was talking directly to us, it seemed, or he was talking to someone. But like, I thought that the the voiceover framing that happened at the beginning and the end of the movie and a tiny bit in the middle yeah. did not fit. It felt sure. like it was from a different movie. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I put this solidly kind of in the middle. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad movie. I mean, I would. Give, I would put it more in like the BC range. Like. Yeah, uh, I I don't immediately feel the need to uh, watch it again, but I also don't <laughs> feel like I was totally checked out or bored for an hour and a half. Right? Like yeah, I felt like I was right. I was invested. I was interested. I wanted to see where it went. When my buffering situation got bad, I still wanted to go back and see the part that I had missed. But I, of course, you know, yeah, <laughs> I didn't feel that I. Uh, I don't think it's going to make it in my pantheon of all time greats. Now you said you didn't feel the need to go back and watch it right away. Is that something that happens to you often with movies? Boy, I enjoyed that. Let me watch it again tomorrow. <laughs> I know people who do that, but uh, not often with me, or at least not in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, I'm glad we got to watch it. Here's my question. Do we know what we're watching next time? I don't think we do at this point, and I'm not <laughs> sure how we're going to figure it out because I think we are, uh, I think we're going back to our, as I said, our tried and true practice of picking movies for each other that the other hasn't watched. So it's possible that next week, one of us will have to pick a movie for the other one that they have not seen. And that could be anything. Could be anything. It could be. I mean, 
from the list that we have assembled before the season, but it could be one of those things. Yeah. It could be one of roughly 20 things. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm, try, I'm, I'm looking at the list, and I'm not very good at this game. I'm trying to figure out, can we... Uh, six degrees. I was thinking the same the thing <laughs> because we have it. I'll tell you this. Right. I know we have at least two other Tom Cruise movies on that list. <laughs> right, right. Because we, I have not seen Top Gun, and you have not seen A Few Good Men. Indeed. And there are paths to. I'm trying oh, to figure out sure. paths to these others. <laughs> I am sure we can do it. Probably not on the air right now, but I am sure that we can figure this out. All right, we'll, there's the challenge. We'll map it out. We'll we'll fix it in post. <laughs> cool. Well, Dan, thanks for watching this with me. Well, thanks for watching with me, Lex. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening along with us. And we hope that you've enjoyed this season premiere of Not Playing. And until until next next time, time, keep watching the Toms. (laughs) I would have gone with keep watching the movie stars. I don't know. Maybe that's me. Also, do people do this? Like, I, I get dancing when you're alone. I get lip syncing when you're alone. I would just sing when I was alone. But like this like level, acting it out. I don't know. I mean, in underwear. I guess if you're like you know really, like don't really have a lot going on in your life. <laughs> what there was no in, there was no internet. Wait, <laughs> like, is just that the same this. thing he did on Oprah's couch? <laughs> <laughs>